how I propel myself now and how I kind of nourish my own self and my spirit is vastly different than than before, where I came about it with a lot of negative self-talk and a lot of self-hate and self-loathing, where now it's much more about acceptance and loving myself and just loving the idea of where I could be in another five years if I just allow myself to continue to, to grow. Welcome to your Journey to Joy podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, and I'm on a mission to help you find joy in the chaos of life. As a retired nurse, multi-passionate entrepreneur, and mom of four adult children, I know what it's like to feel the overwhelm of it all and wonder if and when the joy will show up again. And I've learned it's up to us to go find that joy. On this show, you will hear inspiring stories from those who have overcome all kinds of life challenges, tips on how to stay healthy and vibrant during the ups and downs of life, and simple ways on finding joy in your own life. Let's face it, life is messy, yet when we travel together on this journey, support and encourage each other along the way, that joy starts to show up again. I'm so excited to lead you on this journey of you to find the joyful life that you deserve. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, and so glad that you are here. I love to share on this podcast about things that bring you joy, uh, overcoming uh, struggles in our life. And also, all if you've listened long enough, you know that I love to bring to you people that I meet along the way uh, or uh, that are introduced to me along the way. And so today I have a guest with me who actually my daughter uh, befriended. Through Instagram, today is the day of social media and um, connecting that way. And the reason why she connected with JC is that he wrote a, po- a poetry book and a poetry book um, be- as a result of his eating disorder. So my daughter, I don't know if I've shared much of that, but she is a master poet, really. It's kind of a way of her processing through <clears throat> what she goes through, what she is going through, has gone through. And so she has, I've connected her with a publisher and she has some intention of creating a book also. So when she fi- finds people that are like have gone ahead uh, and done what she wants to do, she was so excited to meet JC. So today I have JC with me. He is joining us from Michigan. Um, and um, I'm so excited to just chat with you about your um your challenges, your life experiences, and um, about poetry today. So thanks. Welcome to my show, JC. I appreciate you being here. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so honored and so excited to be on and just, you know, have these conversations. Like I said, it's the age of social media connection. And and we we connect and we learn and get entertained by people that we meet on social media, myself included. And I thought it was really cool uh, when Anna came and said, hey, there's somebody that's actually written a book about his eating disorder, you know, with poetry. And then I think she's she's met somebody, there's somebody else that has done the same thing as well that she's met too. And um, so I think that's cool. Uh, as I've always said on this podcast for the last three and a half years, we need to all find things that help us get through the challenges of life and um, things to put in our tool belt. And it seems like you have, poetry has become one of those things for you that helps you come along with with life. Absolutely. To your point, it, it is really cool seeing in this day and age with social media and everything like that. And a lot of the connection that kind of comes from that, especially in relation to topics with like eating disorders and body image that have been taboo for so long, kind of now coming into the 
into the mainstream and just being talked about more is is really cool because it allows further connection and further recovery for a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, we can feel like we're not alone in our struggles, you know, with men, especially now I, you know, I had an eating disorder myself. Most of the time we hear about women, you know, when Anna was in, you know, started to go into treatment and things like that, it was a majority of women, but occasionally we saw a guy there every once in a while. So um, I'd love for you to start as I always do, you know, start with your story or at least just those highlights of perhaps what started to perhaps happen in your life that caused you to choose some things uh, that uh, were not good uh, to cope, Um, you know, because again, we all, at least I've learned through talking with so many people and hearing their stories, it's not necessarily the eating or the lack of eating or the alcohol or the drugs. It's really what else is going on in your life that causes you to choose that as a coping mechanism. So I'd love to hear, you know, kind of your story and, um, you know, even put a little bit in there of that, um, that male perspective and how you felt um, if that kept you from sharing as much or, you know, whatever that is, but start with your story there. It is definitely, especially from the male perspective, just where, where I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, there is definitely kind of a stereotype and a almost a stigma that you have to be as a male. On the exterior, you have to have this almost armor that nothing gets nothing gets in, nothing comes out, and you aren't allowed to have any chinks because the second you do, um, you're seen as weak and you're seen as almost less than. And um, even as early as um, elementary school age, six, seven, eight, nine years old, I had struggled with my own body image. I had always struggled with my weight. And um, as I kind of grew into myself and continuing to grow into myself, um, especially as a kid, just dealing with a lot of those stereotypes and a lot of those kind of old ways of thinking um, as a male. But um, I, uh, like I just said, as early as elementary school, I, I really started to struggle with my body image. I noticed that I didn't necessarily look exactly like some of my friends, some of my peers, you know, in the same grade. And as early as nine years old, I really came into exercise in the form of weight training and running, jogging, things like that. I saw it as a way of almost punishing my body rather than something I could do for my body. Um, And I mean, as early as nine years old, too, you know, you you're a kid, you're running around, you're playing, like you are getting exercise daily. I mean, just in the classroom, you know, you're up, you're running, you're playing games. But I think, especially, you know, in the Upper Peninsula, and at least at that time, um, there was definitely the stigma to exercise, and this kind of way of thinking with it, where it was something you did to your body. And you did, it was, it was done out of almost a punishing way of life, um, as a means to just not look the way that you looked rather than using it as a form of almost helpful, mindful, um, sort of mindfulness practice. And I kind of carried that with me. I carried those, those stigmas all the way into high school where my mental health really started to suffer my freshman year of high school, um, where I was kind of just thrown into this new environment where I, I was, you know, back to being the youngest in the school. And I started to really struggle with binge eating, using it to your point as a coping mechanism and using it as anytime there was an emotional trigger, anytime there was any sort of stressor in my life. I looked at food because I thought in my mind, I I went, this seems to be the only thing that makes me feel better. Um, so I'm going to take part in this 
no matter the potentially detrimental outcomes that that come with it. Um, and within that, I, I really started to struggle with um, depression, with anxiety, and my body image continued to really struggle as I struggled not with just my weight, but with just the perception I had of of my weight, of who I was. And at that time, especially in high school, when almost everyone is trying to come into their own, they're trying to find themselves, they're trying to find some form of identity. Uh, having that, the preconceived notion of, you know, that identity as a male going, I have to just fight down, I have to fight through this, I have to fight with myself and almost go to war with myself to just suppress everything, shove everything down and not actively try to accept it head on or face it head on. Um, it was just a lot of sort of scapegoating for other reasons and not allowing myself to just accept myself, um, which I have come to learn and come to find out that is a very important part of, you know, the journey in life and the journey of recovery, especially. Uh, but at the time, um, writing and exercise were my two main forms of coping mechanisms. Again, exercise still kind of struggling with the idea of something that I did to my body and not for it. Um, but writing was a constant and that I just always had, I always had that modality to really help with mindfulness being present because the beautiful thing to this day with writing is that it just, in poetry especially, it just, it allows you to be in the moment and whoever you are in that moment, even if it shifts 10 minutes, 10 minutes later, it just, it allows you to be present and be mindful. It almost seems like when you were talking, because sometimes it's that I started to hear that maybe it was kind of like, you know, just the male thing, you know, the men are supposed to, you know, tough it out and we're supposed to be tough. They're supposed to be cool. You know, women can be fragile or things like that. And, but it just, as you talked about that, it, it and I wonder too, in the upper peninsula, if there was a lot of, I don't know. I mean, I, I I was born in Michigan, but I don't know much about the UP. Like if there were um, jobs and, and the careers that people were active and outside and, you know, much more physical than other places. And was that kind of the what you saw a lot that they were out and they, you know, doing that as opposed to not normal, but, you know, office jobs and things like that. that. Did you see a lot of that like physicality and you had to just go and like tough it out and grind it? Yeah, absolutely. It's an ongoing, almost like inside joke in the UP is, is that if you don't go into teaching after you graduate high school, then you are either going into construction or you're going into the mine. Mm. And that, especially as a male, I, there were a couple teachers, male teachers that, you know, I had in school that were fantastic. And it was really cool, you know, seeing kind of them break some of the stereotypes, but there was very much kind of just a work with your hands, grind until you die sort of mentality, which does not really jive with a lot of different modalities or perspectives in life, which was really, really difficult. I wonder too, did you have, um, or do you have siblings um, when you talk about writing and it is a solitary type of thing. And I wondered, was that something that just, you got inspired? I mean, I know in high school, we all have to take writing courses and stuff like that. Was it just that you enjoyed it as you did that? Or was it a place that there wasn't, other people to talk to or other people to kind of talk to about your struggles. And you found that that was a place that you could go for that, for that solace. Yeah. So I do have, um, I'm the oldest of, um, including myself, there's four of us siblings. Um, I have two sisters and a brother, but I'm a little, I'm 
quite a bit older than them. Um, so I haven't been able to share kind of in the practice of writing, you know, with them at that time, at least. But I, I did enjoy writing in the sense that I could kind of do it on my own. It was a, it was an isolated practice that I could um, kind of seek out when I was really struggling, um, not just with myself and body image, but especially from from comments from other people about my appearance, about my weight that then really just further exacerbated um, my overall perception that I had of myself. Did this continue on as you, did you go, go away to college? Did you, was this, and I don't remember, I know we've talked before and Anna and you had a great discussion. I don't remember uh, if you sought treatment or if you got some help that way or how things kind of progressed along with, with your disorder, if you will. So all throughout high school and especially kind of being where I'm from, there were not a lot of resources to, especially at the time, to really seek out for eating disorder or body image um, treatment. And further on top of that, it was it was challenging to try to find some sort of almost anchor to hold on to, to look for as a sort of motivation or inspiration in the male figure sense who has, who, you know, who had also struggled with an eating disorder or body image or things like that, because even Back then, 2014, 2015, there was not a lot, um, almost social media presence-wise even, um, in the way of male figures, males stepping forward and going, hey, I'm really struggling with an eating disorder, body image. It's a very real thing. So I struggled with that, feeling isolated, um, even more so with that. And as I graduated high school, I had the thought, which I think a lot of people kind of do, like, oh, once I graduate high school, it's all of my problems are gone. I'm moving away from college everything I am able to escape and run away from, none of it's going to follow me. Uh, unfortunately, that is not how mm. any of that works um, 99% of the time. Um, so I moved downstate for college and um, that, you know, all of my issues, all the demons, things like that followed me um, and, and made their presence known. And one of my biggest struggles that I wrestled with outside of um, the binge eating was I, I wrestled a lot with my own ego and my own pride in seeking and in, in um seeking out treatment. I was I had this notion again just in my mind that I didn't need it. I could do it myself. I I would just forge my own path um come hell or high water. And it was it led to a lot of self-sabotaging sort of ways of life and modalities, um, especially throwing myself even further into exercise and um becoming very, very very hard on myself when it came to exercise, which then led to restriction um, in calories, restriction in food, um, restriction in anything that wasn't exercise um, or binge eating on the other end of it. Um, and I I started to develop uh, bulimia through exercise and just really struggled with that aspect of not having the, at least at the time, the acceptance of myself to actually speak out and reach treatment, which I think a lot of people in this day and age really struggle and wrestle with themselves with is not being able just to accept that they need treatment. And it is, it is absolutely okay to get that treatment because it, in the long run, even in the short run, it is so beneficial for them. You know, it's hard for people to ask for help because I know for myself, as I was learning that about myself in some of my struggles, you know, when you ask for help, I took it as that we're weak and we're, you know, we're not capable. And really the fact of the matter is uh, we are capable, but perhaps we just need a little bit more help in this particular, you know, this particular area. And with any type of 
disorder or addiction and things like that, there's all kinds of levels of support that you can get or treatment or things like that. But it doesn't have to be the, okay, I, we send them away. Um, there's can be so many things and support groups and individual therapy um, and other forms. That's what I, you know, it's, it's cool. You can, you know, you can art therapy, you can do movement therapy, you can do everything in between. And, um, and I always encourage people like, just, if you can't, if you feel like you can't, if you don't have the answers yourself, then it's okay to seek some answers from someone else. And I just want to mention like one of the quotes that I'll never forget what one of the anesthetists said to her, kind of that, like you left the UP, you left high school, you're thinking, okay, everything's going to be gone. But she would always say, well, everywhere you go, there you are. <laughs> so we're always with each other, right? Wherever we're at, there we are. And so we've got to deal with we can we can run away physically or um, locationally, but everywhere we go, there we are. So I always love that. And boy, Anna hated to hear that at particular times. Um, and sometimes we do. We get we all get frustrated with that, that it's like, well, that we have to deal with, you know, we got to deal with what we got, what got we got going on. And I also wanted to mention if somebody didn't hear that, because I understand it, that there are ways that you can. You know, you can binge eat so you consume food. You can you can binge on other things. You can over exercise, and that's a form. Of, or you can over exercise, and that's a way of, I guess, more of getting rid of things. Because someone you can be an exercise anorexic or exercise, but you know those kind of things. And um, again, it's just I think it's it's fascinating. It's interesting. And I really just since we're chatting about a little exercise too, I'd love to have a discussion. I know we'll get to the poetry too, but. You know, I, you know that I've had a, um, you know, I've been in the wellness field for the last 23 years. And so I help people, you know, get healthier, if you will. And um, I know that I, and with a product line and, you know, I do have a nursing background, but I know for me along the years, I've had to really get really clear about what my, I want my message to be when I seek to help other people, because there is this you know, there is still this body image and, oh, you just got to go grind it. You got to just go hard and you got to slim down. You got to cut it all and all that stuff. And albeit, you know, and so I've, I really, I don't want to use the word struggle, but I really had to just continue to think about how, because I realized that, yes, there is this dietary society. There's a body image. There's a, that's just, it's disordered, distorted, and it's wrong. But there's also this point that some people, for their health, for their mental health, their physical health, their long-term health, need to lose some weight. And they need to get into the gym and they need to do some movement. So it's, I've had to, and so I'm very clear when I speak with people, I'm like, I'm not about like, again, tell me what your goals are. But if you tell me that this is, you know, if it's weight loss, I'm going to also ask you about how are things going at home and what's your mental health like and and what's it like with your job and you know these other things because it's not just about losing some weight because if i just help people lose weight and not and not correct those other things and what are you eating and how are you sleeping and stuff like that i don't i think i'm doing them a disservice to just say well we're just focusing on how you look and what the number on the scale is so I'd love to have a little bit of discussion around that and how you've, because I know that you are now, you're a fitness trainer and you help people with that. And I think that's great because you have this perspective of where you came from of like, yeah, I went hard and I cut and I did all this stuff, 
but I also learned that that's not necessarily where you should be. So I'm going to help you, you know, be the best that you can be. Yeah, absolutely. And that I think is a dichotomy that I myself have kind of wrestled with, especially working as a fitness trainer for the past six and a half years. I'm working as a nutrition coach for the past two is that I, I understand and I'm fully aware that weight loss on a, a a lot of the time can really help with just overall mental health, obviously physical well-being and things like that. And on the flip side of that, a lot of people chase weight loss to be content and to be happy with themselves. And going all the way back in the very beginning, it's very similar when it comes to weight loss and things like that with um, just any sort of eating disorder or body image is that there's normally some sort of, a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time there's sort of this underlying um, just foundation of emotional stress and emotional triggers that then cause these kind of less than optimal or less than desired um, behavioral sort of aspects about the person and about the clients that I work with. And I think a lot of people don't realize how, how much power there is in really working on their own cognitive shifts and thinking, their own behavioral changes. And that's what I really try to do with my clients is not just focus on just solely the weight loss aspect that normally comes over time. But when you really get to focus on kind of the behavioral change, the cognitive shifts in thinking, um, just even in the relation to exercise and just even shifting going, um, just helping them better understand that exercise is is always something you get to do for your body and never something you get to do to your body um, is a really important shift in thinking and just furthering the client's understanding and creating themselves and creating the version of themselves that they that they always strive for. Brought to you by Gorski Wellness and the possibility of a better you. Are you feeling sluggish? Ready for a change? Need more energy? Up for a bigger challenge? I'm Moira Gorski, retired nurse and wellness advocate. For over 22 years, I've been helping people live healthier lives while making small changes each and every day. Those small changes lead my clients to living a healthier lifestyle with markedly better health. As a brand ambassador for the Shackley Corporation, the most clinically proven wellness company in the world, I guide my clients to make healthier choices each day with their food, supplements, skin care, workouts, and mindset. They say getting started is half the battle. Let's make healthy happen together. If you're ready for simple, natural, sustainable solutions to feeling and looking your best, let's connect. You'll find a link in the show notes or reach out to me at moiragorski.com. Here's to a better you. And I think it's always going to be, there's always going to be those people at the gym or the people on Instagram or the people in the magazines, you know, that, and speaking for myself, that you'll look at and you're like, Oh my gosh, I wish I could look like that. But in the end of the day, you know, we were born and we were born the way that we are and with our bodies. And and I, I had this discussion with somebody at the dance studio this week um, because they, one of the other students and one of the other instructors are like, oh, it looks like you lost weight. And I'm like, I have no idea. I, I don't weigh myself. And the one guy was like, you don't weigh yourself? Like never at all? I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. As long as my clothes fit, and I feel good. Like I don't, I mean, the scale used to play major tricks on me and major crap in my head. And I used to weigh myself three and four times a day. So I don't weigh myself anymore. And again, I'm at a healthy weight. I'm happy with that. But um, we just, we then had this discussion about that as well as, 
Um, and I said, you know, I've really gotten into strength training and that's, I mean, I'm 59. That's what they say that we should be doing more is the strength training and the weights um, as opposed to like, I was a cardio queen and I was just like, just the more you can run. And then the, you know, the, the uh, spin classes and the, you know, running and I mean, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I said, and then the guy just kind of argued, not argued with me, but he's like, well, you should do some cardio. I'm like, I do. I walk my dog and I go for a walk with friends and occasionally I'll do some boxing. And so that's more significant cardio, but I really do. I love, and I'm getting into the strength training and maybe it's helping me look like maybe to them, it looks like I've lost weight or something. I don't really care. But again, it was this discussion, like we have to know what our weight is and that maybe we should just do some more cardio. I'm like, I come to dance and I do a little cardio here and I do, again, I walk the dog and I do some cardio, but you know, it's just this idea that, oh, there's always going to be people that like we look at and they're like, oh, I wish we looked like that. And we look like that again. It's, it's a continual, I don't want to call it a battle, but it's a continual thing that we're going to get faced with. And so I think that perhaps my message is that I want people to be, you got to be strong in that area. And you have to, again, like you said, work on that mental health part of things while you're and saying, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I know that this is good for me. And that's what I'm going to stay with. For myself, too, firsthand experience, and just working with a lot of other clients, is that they tie a lot of their self worth, and they almost put morality into the scale and whatever number they see on the scale, they go, Oh, that's what I'm worth. And if it's not the number that they want to see, it's, it's, you know, this negative deposit, or this, it's this negative withdrawal um, from their own self worth. And um, that's something that I've really struggled with and have worked with myself on as well. And then after receiving therapy and actually seeking out therapy um, a little over a year ago, um, I've come to better understand after, I think, always knowing it, but just almost denying that aspect of myself and denying that that knowledge of the scale does not define your worth. Um, and that's something that I really love with with the writing aspect too, um, with my poetry and just writing in general or whichever, for a lot of people, it might not be writing, but whichever modality that they can find within their lives that really helps them just be present in the moment and allows them to just be. Um, going all the way back to your point with, I, I really, really love, um, for better and for worse, that wherever you are, you are with yourself. Paraphrasing, um, mm -hmm. whichever, um, Anna's therapist had said, just because that is so very true, just no matter where you are in life, you will always have yourself. And it is super, super important to understand that you can also simultaneously, you can push yourself to change and push yourself to grow, but you are also okay just as you are. Just you're allowed to be in the moment and you're allowed to be present with yourself. And that's really where like strength training and um, forms of exercise are absolutely beautiful in doing it. Just when you take part in that in that modality or in that sort of in that exercise routine, whatever it may be, whatever your routine is, it allows you to be present. And that's what I've really come to love about strength training, about uh, I've been boxing myself for years. It just it allows me to be present and everything else in the world just kind of falls to the wayside. And I'm allowed to just be in the moment, which is um, what writing has always been for me. And writing itself has actually allowed me to better understand and to better be in the moment when I'm exercising and not using it as a form of punishment for myself. My girlfriend yesterday, who I meet three times a week and we do the strength training, she joined me recently. I was a girlfriend of mine who just moved out of town. Anyway, she was teaching. She's a personal trainer. So she 
kind of put together some routines for me. And then Pam came in and now Jessica's moved. So it's now Pam and I, when we go to the, and she used to do weight training years ago. I was the cardio one years ago and she was always doing weights. And so she was saying, come on, we should, it was leg day yesterday, legs and back. And she goes, you know, we should do this. You know, we're doing too much, we're doing a lot of hamstring, not enough quad. So she was showing me some other ones to do and it felt so good. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that, you know, we're both pretty strong and it just felt good. And she said, you know, we got to keep doing this because we don't want to hunch over when we're older. We got to stay strong. We have to keep our balance. You know, you want to keep dancing. So that's really, for me, that's what it's all about now. Like I have... I see the aging population. I work with the aging population. My dad's 90 years old. Like you see, it's like, you just, I just want to be strong for the future, for now, but also for the future. So the more that we can be strong, be it that we do some cardio, some strength or whatever, training or whatever, it's about, like you said, being present, but also being strong, getting, create this healthy, strong body for now and for, so that we can age, we can age well. A lot of my clients um, are over 50 years old and in the exact same with on the exact same note, I really work with them and especially in the beginning, just um, kind of talk with them of what they want their future to look like, um, especially with in regards to strength training, um, just because it really allows you to age and to kind of to age gracefully and um, just kind of putting it into the perspective of, you know, how do you want to be able to play with your grandkids, even your great grandkids in the future? Um, how self-sufficient do you want to want to be as you continue to age? Like even just lifting a, a packet of water or like a laundry basket. Um, those are those are like the life skills that I think are overlooked a lot of the time. And those are the vastly important benefits that strength training offers outside of any sort of weight loss strategy, which it does help with that. It helps with body composition and helps with just overall health, mental health. Um, but it also allows your body to stay strong and to stay self-sufficient, which I think I would say almost everybody, if not everybody, wants to be as self-sufficient as possible. All right. So a little poetry. Um, again, I love the fact that you've um, that you write poetry. Um, I, If anybody's listened to the podcast, they know that I love journaling. I started to you know, journal several years ago and realized that it didn't really matter how crappy my penmanship is, which it's gotten pretty bad over the years, but it doesn't matter because I may not, I'm writing for me. I'm not necessarily writing for, um, to write a book or things like that. Um, although that may come someday in the future, but, um, but I find that journaling is a way, as somebody said one time, it's a way that we can hear ourselves think or talk. You know, when we start to write, we can hear, we get to hear ourselves. So um, I'd love for you to, um, I asked you to maybe pick a couple of poems so that people could hear that because I know when I hear my daughter's poems, they're, some of them are like really, again, they're kind of like, wow, they're tough to hear, but it's because she was going through the struggles. And so, but um, I'd love for you to pick a couple of poems to read to the audience and, um, and uh, well, we'll start there. I'll let you read. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and that's just uh, a quick note, if I could, uh, especially with writing and especially journaling is I really love your point of journaling. I mean, truly journaling is for everybody, even if you don't liken yourself to a writer. If it's if writing is not something you have ever been able to attach yourself to, 
just as I have never been, been able to attach myself to like mathematics and like analytics, that is not my wheelhouse. I understand it's there are strengths to practicing it. It's the same with journaling. Um, it's just, it allows you to practice, to um, understand your thoughts. And there's a quote by Alan Watts, um, who's an Eastern philosopher that says, if all you have to think about are thoughts, then you have no room for self. And I think that's a really important note, um, especially in regards to recovery with any sort of eating disorder or body image, when you were just filled with all of these thoughts that you perceive as negative and just negative self thoughts, it, it leaves no room for you to just be in the moment. Um, and that's what I really wrestled with within my recovery. Um, and a lot of my writing from years back is, is feeling like I had to wrestle with, with myself and go to war against myself and just beat myself down every day in, as a means of strengthening myself, not realizing that I was only, only ever doing it to the detriment of myself. Just a poem from, um, from a couple of years back that is actually in a current book to my eating disorder. And then my other, uh, my second poem is in, um, is going to be in uh, my second book that I have a tentative release date for um, this coming January. Um, that just, I think and I hope highlights the difference in perspective that I have been able to shift over the years through therapy and, and mindfulness practice. Um, but the first one is called There Will Come a Day. And it goes, there will come a day where you and I will meet. We will stand in the hushed field face to face as it sways with the intently watching wheat. We will go to war and our blood shall be spilled. We will inflict mortal wounds until one of us has been killed. I will come out victor. This I have marked in stone. You will not beat me. My soul you will not own. And like I said, that is um, a perspective that this day I still have moments that I struggle with and I have to remind myself that I, I don't have to go to this mortally inflicting um, war with myself every day when I wake up. I'm allowed to just accept myself for who I am while still acknowledging that there may be parts that I I want to kind of further advance in the process of my recovery. And uh, the second poem is called The Hero's Journey. And it goes, years it took me going out under blackened, bilious sky that be with only sword and shield to finally understand while under war's yield that there are so many more ways to fight for myself than with weapons forged against the blood of my own health. These pastures within my spirit now, they grow rich and tall. They nourish from a self-love that warms winter's fall. Mm, that's nice. It's really nice. You know, when I commend you for those, are the beautiful, it's beautiful writing. And I want to point out what I've heard from my daughter or seen from my daughter, and I'm hearing from you too, is that this is a continuum of a life's journey and a recovery or an improvement or whatever it is, is that it is this continuum and it uh, sometimes lasts quite a while. But if it's, as long as you're moving forward, then that's the right, that's, that's the good thing. Um, and I also, um, I wonder about this with you, like when you read that poem, the the one from years ago in your first book, you know, can you relate to that as opposed to where you are today? Because Anna was going through some things and cleaning out some pictures and things, and she ran across some photos and she said to me, she goes, you know what? I don't even really recognize her. And I said, that's a good thing because when you're so far along on your journey and that you don't even recognize that person that you used to be, it's a good thing. 
And so I wonder with you, you know, as you're continuing on with your, uh, your journey of life, does that resonate with you at all? You know, this is actually something that I kind of go back and forth with myself on um, quite frequently in that there are, there are parts of that poem and a part, parts of my old writing that I, parts of me can still connect with um, in that I think those are the parts that, that fear um, any sort of change or any sort of further recovery. Because years back, I, one of the reasons why, especially in the depth of my eating disorder, um, both of them and my body dysmorphia and things like that, is I was truly, I was terrified of recovery. Like I was, I was terrified of, of the version of myself I would become if I, if I sought out recovery because I didn't, I didn't want in that moment, even though I wanted to change, um, kind of that other voice inside of me convinced me, no, we don't want to change. We, we want to take part in these vices. And um, again, another quote by um, Alan Watts is when you present yourself with the idea of 365 days of quote unquote sobriety or recovery, um, the devil or your demons kind of go, mm, are you sure about that? Are you sure you want to live the rest of your life with none of these vices whatsoever? Um, and in those moments, it's important to not bargain with yourself, but to almost um, just communicate with yourself and to understand with yourself. We don't have to worry about the next 364 days. Just worry about today. And if the day feels too much, just focus on the moment. Because in the moment, it's really powerful to understand and to remind yourself, oh, I'm okay. I am okay in this moment. I don't have to think about the next year, let alone 10 years. I can be as I am. Um, and that part of me is definitely the part that I I have moved on from kind of that sort of writing within myself and that sort of um, ways of life and perspective in that I don't have to wrestle with the idea or wrestle with the notion of going to war with myself and going almost battling myself back and forth, back and forth every day. I can just accept who I am and I can still propel myself to grow and to change. But how I propel myself now and how I kind of nourish my own self and my spirit is vastly different than than before where I came about it with a lot of negative self-talk and a lot of self-hate and self-loathing where now it's much more about acceptance and loving myself and just loving the idea of where I could be in another five years, let another three months if I just allow myself to continue to to grow. Well, and that's what you mentioned in the second poem is that you see this field that's cultivating um, and it's cultivating growth for you, for your life. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing, you know, again, either being out in the battlefield where there's just destruction and, um, not much, or like you said, you're seeing now that you're planting seeds. Um, if I'm, you know, hearing this right, you're planting seeds, you're cultivating things for today. Um, but when we cultivate then things have a chance to grow for the future. So I think that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way that you put that in your writing and, um, I think it's great. So thank you for for picking those and um, sharing those with us. Um, so yeah, what are the what are the plans for J.C. Kirby for the future? Do you plan to continue to write, or I know you're getting married in the future soon, and um, which is awesome. Congratulations! But what's what's the future hold for you? Yeah, thank you, thank you for for all of, all of those kind words. Um, very much appreciated. Um, yeah, getting married in September. Super 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 excited about that. I cannot wait. Um, and I am currently working on several other book projects at the moment. The the first one to be coming out, um, as I said, tentatively in, in mid to late January is 
the direct follow-up to my current book, to my eating disorder. Um, that is, I'm going to be called Recovery, the spaces in between my eating disorder. And um, outside of those, just continuing to really focus on my recovery, to focus on my writing. And I, I forget if I've already said this, um, but I've always likened writing to my recovery and vice versa recovery to my writing in that it just it allows you to be, and it will always be there for you if you leave it for a moment. Um, there's been moments where my writing has kind of taken a back burner to whatever I've been experiencing, um, but it's, it is always there to pick right back up. And that's the same with recovery. And I, I think that's a really important note that um, for whoever's listening, just to keep in mind that if you have any backslides, if you have any relapses and things like that, your recovery and your growth will, it, it is still there. It is exactly in the same place you left it. And no matter the backslide, no matter how many steps back you take, it your self-love and your growth your true self um just who you are intrinsically will be there to pick back up um when you're ready and for myself just continuing to remind myself that continuing to work on that myself and um, continuing to reach out and try to help as many others as i can with um with working through you know the struggles that we all face in this life and continuing to create myself in this life it's a great way to wrap things up you know i i love that as you said you know, regardless of where you're at, if you have some struggles or if you have some challenges, that it's okay. And um, and that you can pick, you can pick yourself back up and you can start working on that recovery or that self-love or that poetry or the dancing or whatever it is. It's okay um to put things aside for a little bit and know that it's you know, that your life is waiting for you when you're ready to pick it back up and start working on your future life. Um, whatever that looks like, it's all it's all there waiting for you. So I really appreciate you being here today. Again, I I commend you for who you are and what you do um, and um, how you're helping yourself. But and yet in the meantime, you're helping others. So um, I really appreciate JC being here with me today. Hope that this was an enjoyable time for you as well. I know you shared your links with me. So we'll, uh, those will be in the show notes of how you can uh, grab JC's books, a book, and then books in the future. Um, and uh, any last words for, for the audience that you'd like to share? Yeah, just uh, very quick. I think we already touched on it a little bit, but um, to your point that you had actually just made, which is a really important point, is that recovery and growth looks different for everybody. There might It might be similar for some people, but whatever you need to take part in, whether it be like yoga, um, writing, walking, um, anything that helps you just be in the present, be in the moment is, is a really important recovery tool and a really, really important um, growth tool in the creating yourself and finding yourself. So I just wanted to throw that out there for anybody who kind of goes like, oh, what is recovery? Like what is, it's, it is very subjective. It is however you need to be in that moment is is what it is. Thanks, JC. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you, audience, for listening. As always, if you heard things that resonate with you that you think a friend needs to hear, it's the biggest it's the biggest compliment. I ran into somebody yesterday at the gym and she's like, oh, I listened to your podcast about the Enneagram and I shared it with my sister. Then we're talking about the Enneagrams and we didn't know anything about it. And we thought it was cool. I mean, that's that's the biggest compliment you can give to to me. Um, or anybody that has a podcast is that you listen to it and then you shared it with someone else. And I think that's really cool. So keep doing that. Keep being cool. Keep being, uh, finding things that bring you joy because we all live, we all deserve to live a life filled with joy and uh, purpose and meaning. So go make it a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Hey there, ready to live a more joyful life? Considering connecting with someone who can help you? 
If so, I'd like to be that person. I offer a free consultation where we determine where the chaos is in your life and how you can learn to bring more joy each and every day. Visit my website, moiragorski.com, or simply email me, moira at moiragorski.com, with more joy in the subject line. I look forward to connecting, and I'm here to say there will always be some chaos, which requires a little juggling, but you can find joy and live your life intentionally filled with that joy. Let me help you on your journey to joy. And that's joy, the journey of you.